بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وان سوره السبع سوره نمبر 34 اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وما اموالكم ولا اولادكم بالتي تقربكم عندنا زلفا إلا من آمن وعمل صالحا فأولئك لهم جزاء الضعف بما عملوا وهم في الغرفات آمنوا I think we did this ayah right? we did ayah 37 we start from number 38 والذين يسعون في آياتنا معاجزين أولئك في العذاب محضرون as for those who strive and struggle to Oppose our signs, fiyayat in our signs, mu'ajizin, so as to frustrate and to prevent people from understanding and adhering to our signs. For them, there is a punishment that is going to be present. Muhbaroon, they will be made to witness their own punishment, meaning very soon. So here we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us that there is a significant number of people who try to do this all the time. And we must first of all appreciate that this does happen. People do have an agenda to frustrate others (coughs) from the truth and to help them (coughs) ignore and undermine the truth this is how life is so the word yasauna shows us that they understand it takes effort so even in uh, trying to deter people from the truth an effort is required mm-hmm. A plan of action is required. An agenda is required. And it happens. It happens more so now than other in any other time that we know of in the U.S. at least. People are trying to seduce people into thinking that Islam is no good and Muslims are no good and the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, God forbid, is no good and so on. So there is a definite... Exertion, sa'i, that is around us today. And their purpose is ma'ajizina, that they want to render each other incapable of understanding and listening to the truth. So Allah says, for these people, they'll be brought, these people, they'll be brought forward into a punishment, into a mindset of confusion, which is the beginning of punishment. And punishment begins with this phase of utter uh, confusion, which now leads to kufr, rejection and denial, which then leads to hatred and bigotry, which then leads to violence and everything else that comes along with that.
And this is how the punishment begins. It doesn't end there, it begins there. And this is happening. People are angry, and people have become very prejudiced and biased. And people are, unfortunately, somewhat uh, thinking of violence, at least. Allah save us and protect us all from him. As opposed to the people mentioned in the previous ayah, where they believed and they did good deeds. So the correct way, and the most human and humane way, is to accept what is being said as a manifesto, if you want to call it that, with political terms of a people's right to worship Allah the the way they want to worship Allah and their God. And just stick to that principle. And you will not be spreading rumors and lies and falsehoods about those people. And that's the way that they will be securing their peace and security in this world and also in the other world where the ayah finishes with the word Aminun, that they will be secure. Yes, the security here will be reflected in eternal security over there. An absence of security here is reflected in an absence of uh, understanding the security of other people. Right. So it starts here. The punishment, the torment starts here. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes care of people in this world as he will do in the other world. So some people make it here and others don't. But there is a distinct group that does this as previously in the ayat we saw that those who were proud and haughty and arrogant then they would speak to those who are deemed weak in a certain way and likewise on the Day of Judgment, they will continue to speak to those whom they deemed weak in the world the same way. It will not change. Right? Their sifa, their attribute and their quality of being uh, those who are haughty and proud will not change because of the abode, this world and that world. So here Allah is clearly mentioning to us as readers of the Qur'an that there is a group who does this all the time? And that's the take-home point in this ayah for us nowadays. The other is the unfortunate spillover for those who do this is that they will be in a state of torment and punishment, which, as I said, begins with confusion and then evolves into bigotry and pride and bias, slander, accusations and then which results in okay, sensitivities towards violence. Mm-hmm. So if you're violent for the wrong reason it's a sign that God doesn't like you. If abusing people and hurting people becomes easy for you that's not a sign of God's favor. It's a sign of the opposite. So in that sense, you broaden the understanding of the word adab uh, to mean that the, the plight of human ignorance is so wide and broad that even if they were slapped with this type of punishment, they would not wake up. Right? That's the idea. 
قل ان ربي يبسط الرزق لمن يشاء من عباده ويقدر له وما انفقتم من شيء فهو يخلفه وهو خير الرازقين say o muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam indeed my lord is the one who now spreads out risk for whomever he wants from his servants ويقدر له ان he also confines it and restricts it so it is my lord who controls the nourishment and the provisions of his servants and he is the same one who will then say this one doesn't need will not be eating this much and he will be given less of provisions and risk this is mentioned previously uh, in the ayah 36 as you can see is almost the exact wording except here we have the addition of liman yashaa min ibadihi whomever he wishes from his servants meaning this is a sign of allah's rahmah that when he wants to give his servants people who worship him more risk he will do so through his mashiah okay, through his will and irada and not because they necessarily have the same type of means as other people uh, to earn and to possibly eat uh, and i explain that as saying that sometimes people mashallah who earn much less than others who earn much more they just eat more and they eat better that's min ibadihi from his servants that's allah's fadl as you know mashallah you work uh, 20 hours a day you barely get time to eat a sandwich then that's not mean ibadi that's is that's on you wa yakhdiru lahu and then he restricts it to whomever he wants the word risk should not be equated with the word wealth mal it's not about mal wealth it's not about money it's about risk what you eat what you consume so allah gives food to whomever he wishes this way and that way so allah's servants who rely on him depend on him uh, they they don't go about uh, trying to earn so much money the way others might do as being part of the rat race but they eat okay as allah's fadl his mashia yeah. and that's the secret but it's not for everybody because everyone is okay how do i do this <laughs> you need to rely on allah also sometime it's okay give it up no is making any sense in the month that we give up food what does allah do he gives us the best he gives us the best food is that a sign of your ibadah min ibadihi when muslims become allah's servants in ramadan he, he does what yabsut ar-rizq He spreads the risk you can't wait for ramadan to come but what do you do in ramadan you give up food as a service to god and god in return gives you the best food of the year as a proof of this ayah but if you're not in that mode of service ibad service to god allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then wa yakhdiru la so the person who doesn't fast really doesn't enjoy the iftar because that is not iftar for him 
The barakah is not there. You just don't enjoy the food when you're not fasting. No? So the, the, the correlation between ibad and the basat, that Allah's service and Allah's increasing of risk, they go hand in hand. And this is the way we should see that this uh, this is a proof of this ayah. And it works all the time, mashallah. Anyway, but that's dharika fadlullah yutihmisha. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't earn. We're not saying this. But we should definitely ask Allah to increase our risk as we ask Allah to increase our iman and our knowledge and everything else. That's what the ayah is saying. Then, the other side is how you then uh, increase your risk. So Allah gives us a for- formula for that. وَمَا أَنْفَقْتُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فَهُوَ يُخْلِفُهُ It's a very unique prescription and formula. It's not even a prescription, it's a formula for benefiting from life, in life. Whatever you spend, whatever thing you spend, Allah is going to replace it for you. Allah is going to replace it. If you spend money, Allah will replace the money. And if you spend food by feeding others, Allah will replace that too. And if you spend time, Allah will give you time also. Meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has total prerogative and ownership of everything in the world in the heavens and the earth. Who owns everything? Allah. How do we own it? As being mustakhlaf, being appointed as deputies of Allah. No? وَانْفِقُوا مِمَّا جَعَلَكُمْ مُسْتَخْلَفِينَ The other ayah in Surah Hadith tells us. Okay. Listen. First of all, who owns everything? Allah. How does a human being own? Because Allah has deputized human beings to be his khalifa on earth. Right? Through that deputization, we are allowed to use whatever we believe correctly, that this is legal for us to own and to use to our benefit. So as deputies of God, Allah then will replenish you because you're spending for him. If the boss gives you a budget and you spend your budget in a nice way, then he'll give you another budget. Isn't that true? Yeah. So who's the boss? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I've given you this budget. Which is what? You have $50. I'm deputizing you to own $50. You spend from this. It's my job to replenish that. It's not your job to say, well, if I spend this, I'll have $25 less. If that's your thinking, then obviously, then you're not a believer. You haven't been deputized. You think you own. You think you are the boss. So here the word, yukhlifuhu, that he will replace it from the word khalifa. And the word khalifa comes from the same stem verb as in the madna. So we see Allah subhanahu is saying, that if Allah has given you food and you give it to somebody else, share it and you spend it, then Allah will give you a replacement for what you have spent. And if Allah has given you money and you share that, meaning you give it to somebody else, 
and you do infaq fi sabilillah or whatever reason that you have, Allah will give that back to you. So there's a barakah in this circulation. Right? That the economy works on the circulation of wealth and whatever skill sets that you have and and the provisions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you. Okay. When you become a nation or a community or a group of people that fears poverty because of spending, then you have not uh, become responsible deputies. Okay. You have sought to now launch a mutiny against your boss. And the boss will say, okay, whatever. So the more you hoard, the more barakah is reduced. So Allah won't give you more if you don't spend, even on yourself or on your family or for the right reason in your household. The Prophet ﷺ didn't like any sahabi not to spend on him, on his household. He wanted people to spend on people, including themselves and their families, for the right reason. He didn't want Muslims to become stingy and niggardly and negligent of their financial responsibilities towards themselves. Okay. Obviously, without going into israf and uh, foolish spending and into uh, promoting a luxurious lifestyle that is unwarranted in Islam. Then that is not infaq, that is israf. That is now going over the limit and you become extravagant and you're wasteful. Not that infaq is not only uh, required, it is now rewarded. As the Prophet said that the best dinar that you will spend is the dinar that you have spent on your family. Right? you spend it. If you spend it, Allah will replace it. It's not your job as a deputy to worry about your daily budget or your annual budget. It's Allah. So bring the tawheed into play and you believe in Allah. And he will do this. And many, many Muslims still do this. They still practice this and they still witness this every day, every week, every month, every year. Year after year after year, they witness this. Right? But the fear of reduction is what stops you. So the Quran says, "Ash-shaytanu yaidukum al-fakhr." The devil promises you, he promises you poverty. He comes in, he insinuates that if you spend this much, you won't have this much. Allah says, "If you spend this much, I'll replace it." That's the way forward for Muslims in this world, so that they benefit from their spending in the other world. So the replacement may be in two ways, or both ways, inshallah. Either Allah replaces uh, what you have spent in this world or he will give you reward in the other world or both. Yeah. Either way, he is going to replace whatever you spent for the right cause in such a way that you eventually be, inshallah, rewarded and happy. He is the best of providers. No one provides risk the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does. And as I said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you risk in ways that you won't even conceive. You won't know that your risk is written here on a daily basis. And everybody here is experienced, I'm sure. 
You wake up in the morning, you didn't know where you're going to eat lunch or dinner, and all of a sudden something comes, and you're, here you are. That is not related to your earnings. Is it? Somebody calls you, hey, let's go out for lunch. I didn't plan this. Who planned it? Allah had already written your risk there. That's why you're going. The person who called you is just a means for Allah to provide you the risk he's written for you. That's not based on what you earn. It's based on Allah's plan for you. So he is the best planner and he is the best provider. And sometimes you plan that you will do this today to eat here and it never happens. And you're stuck with uh, some sandwich that you have to make for yourself. Or buy from somewhere, you know. Whatever. Right? It all makes sense. Perfect sense in the world. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants human beings to believe that he is in charge of their welfare. And once you believe that he's in charge of your welfare, then you'll behave appropriately and you won't go around living in the world as if the only preoccupation you have is to make more money and then more money and then more money, which you never get to enjoy until you're dead, 70 years old. The age of retirement, I think, has been now extended, right? He's supposed to live until 80 years old or whatever. So Allah is saying to, to, to the, the, the reader that first and foremost believe that in this surah where you had the metaphor through the true story of the people of Saba that they had this wonderful lifestyle and culture and civilization and they were at the top of their game, so to speak. They then deprived others from what they had, and then Allah took away what he gave them. So the moral of the story is that the more you spend on yourself and others, the more Allah will replace it as an individual and also as a community. So if as a community we start feeling that we are giving every day, every week, every month, then you should see that not as a burden, but as a ni'mah. That Allah wants us to take uh, the opportunity to spend from what he has given us. So you have to flip the paradigm, so to speak, and say that when someone wants me to help them, it's not because it's a burden on me, but because Allah has now written this reward for me, whether it's one dollar, five dollars, or ten dollars, whatever. When someone is asking you for help, whether it's um, financial or uh, intellectual or time-wise, whatever, any kind of resource Allah has given you, then that help is uh, destined for you so that Allah rewards you for that help for offering that help. Right? When somebody comes and eats food at your house or where you are in the restaurant, uh, whose food are they eating? They ain't yours because you're not eating it. No? It's theirs. So you're providing them their food. So Allah is using you as a means to provide that person what Allah wants to give him, not what Allah wants to give you. Does that make sense? So when guests come to your house, they're eating their food. 
not yours. You are just the cook or the host for which you are rewarded. And usually we like the idea that the guest eats proper and more than we do. So even there you have altruism as a civilization, that you don't want to eat or be seen to be eating more than the guest. Because that's also khilaf al-adab. Huh? If the host is sitting there on the table by himself and eats all the food before the guests come, then what kind of host are you? You don't do that. That's uncivilized. So even when you are hosting somebody and you're feeding somebody, you are invariably going to be eating less because that's what Allah has now restricted for you. وَيَقْدِرْ He's restricted the food because Allah wants you to give the food to somebody else. So that somebody else, his risk is expanded. يَبْسُطْ And your risk, meaning you're the host, your risk is constricted. وَيَقْدِرْ This is how life works. So the beauty of the Qur'an is, is the simplicity to explain phenomenal theology at the level that we can explain in that language too. You will understand it. But this is the take home. Right? The take home is when Allah feeds is because He has destined that food for that person. And when He is offering you the opportunity to become an agent of His as a deputy, then avail the opportunity. Don't Scorn at the opportunity. Right. Don't say, oh, this is too much for you. Why is he coming? Every day, every week, somebody is coming asking me for donations. Okay? It's not your money in the first place. Your deputy. Allah is the one who owns everything. To Allah alone belongs the kingdom and the sovereignty and the propriety of everything that he creates. He owns everything. He's made you a deputy. So when as a deputy you spend, Allah will give you more. So that he'll deputize you for more. Yukhlifuhu. That is in this theory that the Sahaba understood the beauty of infaq. If you don't understand this theological understanding, the theory behind this, then you'll always be saying and doing what we say and do through the devil. The devil insinuates and promises you fakr, poverty. If I spend this much all the time, what's going to happen to me? Nothing's going to happen to you. Wallahu khayrul raziqeen. Allah is the best of providers. So you give and you give freely with an open heart, whether it's one dollar or a million dollars. MashaAllah. Right. وَيَوْمَا يَحْشُرُهُمْ جَمِيعًا ثُمَّ يَقُولُ لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ أَهَوْ لَا إِيَّاكُمْ كَانُوا يَعْبُدُونَ So now, if you're going to hoard your resources and your wealth and your risk in such a way that you are associating partners with Allah and you're saying that I will not give to these people because I need to spend on this cause for these people. Then you have effectually effectively taken those people as partners and rivals against Allah and that is the meaning of worship in this ayah. So on the day of judgment when Allah will bring them together, all together, then the 
he will say to the angels, are these the ones that uh, they were worshipping? Are these the ones that you were, all of you, worshipping against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So here Allah is saying that on the Day of Judgment, He will bring these people in front of the angels and everybody else and say, these are now the shuraka, the partners that they assumed were now capable of doing anything, anything in the world as, not as deputies, but as the sole proprietor of what they assumed they owned. We are not the sole proprietor of anything in this world. And when we assume others are the ones who provide us with risk, and they're the reason why we have food and money and clothing and shelter, then that is a form of shirk. That's a form of associating partners of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. On the day of judgment, when we will have no ownership whatsoever over ourselves, nor over the people, then Allah will say to the angels, what's happened to them? They can't even speak to these people whom they thought would be the ones uh, to help them, rescue them, save them. Where are these people now? What are they doing? Right. Allah is depicting this uh, image in the mind of the reader that uh, before you, you assume other human beings or other creation. Of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has any authority or uh, domination over you, think of this picture. Think of this image. Yes, you don't want to kick Allah's ni'mah once Allah has given you that ni'mah. So you don't want to say in a ruthless, arrogant way, I don't need this job anyway. You have to make sure that you maintain the job. <coughs> At the same time, you must not assume that the job is your God. Or your boss is your God, or the system is your God. You shouldn't do that because that is not correct in the eyes of uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because He will then contest you with this dialogue on the Day of Judgment. The angel will respond on behalf of Allah to these people. Subhanaka, you are very glorified <coughs> that you are above any kind of blame for what these people. Uh, said and what these people did and how they behaved. And the waliyuna min dunihim. You are our patron and our wali and our provider besides them, instead of them. But the truth is they were worshipping something that was unknown and confusing. Not the jinn <coughs> in the jinn sense. Uh, jinn in the literal sense. Although some people do worship the devil, who is a jinn, okay, this ayah seems to suggest it's more general than that. The truth of the matter is that they were worshipping something that they speculated had uh, authority, independent authority, and they didn't know too much about it. Most of them they believed in them, meaning the jinn, the unknown okay, factors of life if you want to make it very broad and general. But as I said, you can also make it very clear that it means the jinn itself. If you believe that people worship the devil, and there are many devil worshippers out there, as we speak, mm-hmm. the, the angels 
they respond not because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala needs a response from them. The question might be that why does Allah even bother to ask angels when he is Maliki Yawmiddin, this is the day of judgment and he is going to do what he wants to do anyway, why why this process? So the process is for the sake of establishing adal and justice on the day of judgment so that people don't assume that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not uh, going through this uh, system of uh, question and answer. Allah has given them the ability to respond to the allegations, the accusations which are all true against them. And the angels will confirm that whatever Allah is saying is not only true, but he is above blame. Subhanaka. He is not responsible for what they did. So in that sense, the response of the angels is subhanaka. That you are not, you are above any blame and any disability or discrepancy that, uh, you know, they they may launch against you, say, that God is now accusing us uh, with false evidence and false testimony and so on. Anyway, so the angel will be there to show the documentation for their deeds if they rebel on the Day of Judgment also, which may happen to certain people, as I just mentioned previously. فَالْيَوْمَ لَا يَمْلِكُ بَعْضُهُمْ بَعْضُكُمْ لِبَعْضٍ نَفْعًا وَلَا بَرًا So that is the day when uh, some of you will not control or own neither benefit nor harm against and for each other. In this world you may be deputized by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which you are even though you don't know it and if you know it you don't believe it uh, it doesn't matter. But that's the truth. Allah has deputized you so that you may hurt and you may harm and you may benefit people through that process of deputization. On that day, Allah will not make you a deputy. On that day, you will not be able to harm anybody nor benefit anyone at all. Yeah. And then on that day, we will tell people who were guilty of injustice that as a result of their injustice that you will now taste the punishment of the fire, the one that you used to deny. The one that you said it doesn't matter, we'll take care of it then. Or the one you just flatly rejected, it doesn't exist, period. Yeah. So Allah will say, okay, if it did not exist, then taste it so that you believe it does exist now. Meaning the, 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 the point is zulm. The Quran always emphasizes that if people commit any form of injustice, there is going to be some repercussion on the Day of Judgment, if not here also. That's why it's called the Day of Judgment. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not want anyone to get away with injustice what they have done against themselves and against other human beings in this world needs a place where it can all be clarified and cleared so that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, you know, seen by all as the just God, as the one who favors those who do good deeds and as the one who is able to punish who don't do good deeds. This is the uh, drive 
uh, in these ayat, Allah subhanahu wa saying that if, if you believe you are deputized by Allah, then you will not commit injustice because it's not yours in the first place. So whatever is the due to somebody else, then that due is because Allah has deputized that person to own that money or wealth or position or power or, you know, prerogative or authority. If you strip people of their prerogatives and of their abilities, then that is also zulm. So now, if a human being has this prerogative and you come in and say, I'm going to deprive you of this prerogative, which is otherwise called a right in our language today, then that's also dhulm. That is injustice. And the Quran and Sunnah does not like any form of injustice. So you may inflict harm in this world even though you believe Allah has deputized you. And if you don't believe, then you may inflict harm. It doesn't matter to you then, either way. Likewise, you may benefit if you believe Allah has deputized you. So offering somebody a position that they're not worthy of is a form of injustice. And you know, especially when you know they're not worthy of that position because of favoritism, nepotism, or exploitation, or whatever. Or because you can control this person in this position. Whatever happens. Means that you're able to give somebody something that's going to benefit them and you're able to deprive somebody in such a way that you can harm them. So this happens here. This won't happen there. Why? Because judgment will be final. And when judgment is final, Allah will tell people who are guilty of injustice that you must pay for your uh, injustice and your manipulation and for your exploitation and your unnecessary domineering and domination over people and so on, to the extent of even treating animals badly. As we know from the Sunnah. We don't do that either. As a Muslim community and a Muslim civilization. So the Muslim civilization, uh, when it sees itself as a deputy from Allah, of Allah, then it will not incorporate injustice in any way, shape or form, in any aspect of life or government. It won't do that. Then you have to seek forgiveness from each other. As Umar radiallahu story, the famous story, he went, he used to go out in the night in the streets of Medina, seeing, observing what's happening, what's not happening. And the intention was to help people who were in distress. So one night he found that there was a lot of noise coming from behind the wall. And he didn't like the idea there was noise at that time of the night, so he scaled the wall and everything else. So the owner of the house said, this is wrong, you can't scale my wall, this is a private property. <laughs> the government can't infringe on private property. This comes with Islamic civilization. He just told her, I don't care who you are, you're Omar, you're Khalifa, you can't do this. This is wrong. Omar acknowledged, acquiesced and apologized and he didn't find the person guilty of whatever he was doing. Right. Based on that, you you don't, as a Khalifa of the Prophet and then as a general Khalifa of Allah, when you're deputized by Allah with this authority, 
through the Prophet ﷺ, you don't have the right to harm me. That doesn't give you the prerogative to harm me, even if it means scaling a wall and then spying on me. <laughs> the private rights of a private citizen, they usually usurp the rights of the government. In Islamic civilization, usually. It's not a golden rule, it's not an exactly scientific rule, if you want to call it that. But it's usually the case. So, on this day, Allah says that you will not have the milkiya la yamlikum. That you will not own the right or the prerogative to cause harm, nor benefit anyone. So you should prepare for that day in this world, believing that you are deputized by Allah, and use your money, your wealth, your knowledge, your power, your prerogatives, your authorities in such a way that it does not sound like you are exploiting the situation and you're manipulating the situation, which obviously is very difficult when emotions are involved. You know, the prerogatives, duties of husbands and wife and then the children and parents and then the relatives and the siblings and all of that. In family matters, it's very difficult because the human being is flesh and blood. <laughs> so it becomes difficult to manage all that. So there, the element of piety and taqwa is أَصْلِحُوا ذَاتُ بَيْنِكُمْ Repair the affairs between you. Mend them. Don't cause harm to each other in such a way that is going to be seen as dhulm, injustice. Then, then obviously in your community affairs and in your political affairs and every other affair in, in, in any civilization, uh, this ayah speaks volume to the, the uh, emphasis of the Qur'an and the Sunnah and the Islamic civilization on not allowing anyone to commit dhulm. Injustice. That's not who we are and what we are. We did not promote this, uh, even as I said, against animals and other beings, as you know from the Sunnah. And as you know from the Khulafa Rashidun and every other Muslim government that came, we were very careful not to promote this as a norm. Now, the fact that certain Muslims did uh, is not that the civilization appreciated this or accommodated it. It's just human frailty. Right? If somebody comes to the US of A and unfortunately listens to the news in Chicago and they assume this is what the value of American society is, that there's violence after violence after violence. That would be a wrong assumption even though it happens. Right. If you turn on the news every night, uh, local news, what do you hear? How many people are killed? Every day. If you saw that clip and you assumed this is what America is about, maybe it happens, but American values do not appreciate this. Okay. That's not the standard of this community and this society. Right. Meaning they don't promote it. They're not inviting people towards this behavior. It happens because of human frailties or because the systems are working, whatever. Likewise, when we read Muslim history, we should be careful not to judge Islam 
because of certain frailties committed by Muslims. Well, that, that, the, the civilizational, uh, what you call it, portfolio is about idle justice and service to Allah and service and altruism and spending on others as the previous ayat speak of. That we as a civilization, we believe in spending and kindness and generosity and altruism. We don't believe in injustice in any way, shape or form. Now, unfortunately, as human beings, people always make mistakes and commit sins and they commit violence also and they do injustices that are mind-boggling. That does not represent the civilization as a whole any more than anything that happens here represents the constitution. Right? In that sense. So here the Quran is saying that uh, this is going to happen on the day of judgment so prepare for it by living a life here uh, in such a way that inshallah you will not be afraid of uh, the punishment of the fire. May Allah save us and protect us from such a life. May Allah save us and protect us from any kind of punishment in this world or in the world hereafter. Ameen. Jazakumullah khair. We'll see you soon. We are on break next week, so we'll see you, I guess, hopefully in two weeks or some of you before that. Jazakumullah khair. Subhanallah alhamdulillah. Subhanallah alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah.